0: This is Kieran Coaches Corner chats, and on the podcast today, I've got David Robertson. I'm super excited to chat with him. David, let us know where you're at and what you're up to.
1: Absolutely, thanks, Kieran. Really excited to be here, and thanks for reaching out. So, I am uh, in Detroit, Michigan. So, with Nationals, um, I'm the girls' academy director there. So, just working with kind of the the high performance 14, 13, 14 year olds, all the way up to 18, 19. So, before they go to college, just uh, you know, trying to get them set for youth national team opportunities, college opportunities, and then a a pro pathway for those that it makes sense for. So
0: I see a lot of stuff that you share. And it seems like nationals has a lot of techie type things. Can you kind of talk to what some of the things you guys utilize within the the academy and what have you?
1: Yeah, so we've got, um, we're lucky that we've got a really cool kind of base to help the kids develop with stuff. So we utilize VO cameras, um for a lot of our training and then all of our games home and away so you know when we were down in texas we took them with us um, and basically it's a humanless camera that tracks you know it gives you the tv kind of broadcast view but it also gives you the whole 180 degree view of the field so you can look at okay if if we got countered off of our own corner a lot of times when you watch the film you can only see the 18 Mm -hmm. right so the vo camera actually allows you to pan back at any point so you can see oh, my goalkeeper was not really paying attention. We left their forward isolated by ourselves, you know, and you can, you can address those and give clips of those. So VO is a, a real game changer in itself of being able to utilize that. So that's the kind of film aspect that we, and every kid has their own account. We, we take that film and we send it out to colleges every week um, so that they're seeing, hey, this is where we are. You know, these are the kids that you're interested in. Um, and the kids can actually all create their own clips and stuff like that and send it out really easily. Um, so we utilize that. All our games are broken down by Instat, which is the soccer nerd's dream, um, because it gives, you know, people like me that love all these rabbit holes you can go down, all the information that you can handle. But it gives us really good, relevant data for when you're watching the game back and you can look at, okay, statistically, how are we doing? Right. In terms of decision making. Cause a lot of times you can you can talk to your center backs about like pass completion rates, right? And they go, well, coach, I complete most of my passes. And then without having to sit there and count them all individually, Instat's able to tell us, okay, well, how many are actually forward passes? How many are sideways and how many are backwards? So, you know, if you're able to complete 95% of your sideways and backwards passes, but only 50% of your forward passes, now we know where the issue is, right? So that's how we can help create those kind of individual development plans for players and give them some specific objectives, right? Because if you critique them on their forward passing, sometimes just out of the blue, they'll now never pass forward again. And now you've you've killed how you want to play.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we, we utilize Instat for that. And all of the Division One colleges have access to Instat um, with a partnership they have. So they can look at our kids, um, youth national teams as well. So they get a lot of exposure via that. And then some of the little stuff we do is we use an app called um, Soccer Pulse. And it's basically a morning wellness check for them. Um, so, you know, obviously in the COVID time, it's been really helpful because it does the COVID screening for them and any symptoms that pop up, we get alerted. Um, and then we can have a conversation with the kid and the family about, you know, what is it? Stay home, isolate, go see the doctor, whatever might be the appropriate steps. Um, but inside of that, you know, every morning it's, how are you feeling? What's your soreness rating? You know, all sorts of stuff, including how much did you sleep? What was the quality of the sleep? What mood are you in as well? Which gives us the opportunity to go and have a conversation with individual kids, right? So it gives you an in sometimes if you see a kid is, you know, in a bad mood or stressed, you can go and have a conversation with them before training. And it also gives you a little bit of a handle on how to deal with that kid that day, right? If you see that they're, they're super stressed, they haven't slept. So something's obviously going on, right? Whether it's internal or external pressure, but you know, that riding this kid today is probably going to be the bad idea, right? So they might need an arm around them that day or an individual conversation, those types of things. And then it also post training an event they rate it you know their RPE of one to ten how hard they felt the session was Um, and it builds up their you know acute and long term kind of indicators and stuff like that so we have that and then all the kids wear Beyond Pulse belts um, which is the it's not GPS but it's heart rate um, max sprints all this stuff so it's a super inexpensive way everyone buys a belt and they have it forever Um, it so it gives us data to be able to look at things okay they're saying that this session was a seven for them. Their heart rate data looks like this, right? And then you match it up to what their effort and intensity looks like on the film. And you can get a really good idea of, you know, which kids think they're performing, but they're not, you know, in terms of they think their 75% is really a hundred. How do we unlock that extra, you know, 25%. So it's been really cool. Obviously it's a lot of pieces, right? So some days you just take one or two pieces. Some days you're able to take it all and look at it together. But, you know, we've been able to utilize all of that. And then especially for games, right? It allows us to see, okay, where's our real fitness point? Because we can say, okay, it looks like soccer wise in minute, maybe 35, that things are starting to drop off a little bit. So, okay, what does the data look like? Are we not doing sprints anymore at that point? Is it jogs? What is it? So we can look at, okay, we're at 35 minutes of soccer fitness. Can we now we need to do something to continue to get that higher and higher. So obviously that's your, your preseason regimen, right. Is, you know, for us, we're, we're judging fitness, not on your mile time or, you know, your 40, 40 yard dash or anything like that. It's on how long can you perform at an elite level of soccer decisions before there's a drop off. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, I think for the, for the most part, most of the things we use, but you know, obviously it's, it's quite a bit and they all tie together and all have a purpose. So, you know, as with, as with anything, if you, if you have stuff and you can't quantify it or you don't have a way to do that, then it's irrelevant. So you know, it's important that you're not just getting tech to put it on social media and say, we have this and check a box. It's what are you actually doing with it?
0: Yeah, I think the cool thing that it sounds like is that there's conversations between you and the players constantly about what the data is saying. And then having, I'm finding more and more with these players, the more visuals that you can give them, so what you were talking about with the, the video, being able to say, look, it's great that you're completing a ton of passes, but you're not they're not dangerous passes. They're not getting us. They're not splitting lines. They're not getting connecting to the midfield. Um, and I think that's so cool. And then the other thing you mentioned, which I've never thought about, was the fact that a kid thinks that they're playing at a high level. Yet there maybe their heart rate and some of these other things that you can look at are saying, like, no, there's maybe some another level that you could go to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the beauty of coaching, right? It's how we unlock that potential that they don't really know exists. So, you know, both physically, mentally, and technically, tactically. So, you know, those are really cool tools that we can do. And it's one of those, you don't need to necessarily have, have a huge budget, like we don't, we do some fundraising to make it work, but you know, there's, it's all, all in all, it's not as expensive as people think, which is, which is great. So it's one of those, you know, if families are willing to spend a little bit each, and then they have this stuff. So, you know, it's kind of a one-time investment, um, minus some stuff, but you know, it's a, it's a thing that can benefit them for years and years. Cause like the beyond pulse belts, it's all done via Bluetooth. So they actually can start their own stuff. So when they're at home doing their home workouts, so especially when we were shut down with COVID, We had them all, you know, doing individual work, but they wore their belts. So we could now see as well, okay, on your own, this is you getting, you know, are you getting your heart rate elevated to a point where it's, you know, helping you maintain or increase your fitness or are you just cruising, right? So, and different days called for different things, but it allows us to see as well, okay, are our sessions really as effective as we think, right? So, you know, early on when we're trying to use 2v2, 3v3, 4v4 to build that base fitness, you know, if their heart rates aren't getting outside of certain zones, then maybe we need to tighten it up or make it bigger, um, in order to really try and stretch that, that data into, into increasing their fitness, which is what we're looking for, as opposed to just pure running.
0: Can you get that data as the activity is going on? Can you look at it? So No,
1: that's the, that's the only thing that's tough is it's all, you, you look at it once it's uploaded. Um, you know, I think obviously then you're getting into the realm of the like thousand dollar GPS pieces that the pros are wearing and stuff like that. And I would love to, that would be really cool, but we'd probably need an analytics guy on the sideline with his iPad telling us what to do.
0: (laughs) Does all of the data break down and and looking, does that fall into your lap or does the nationals have someone kind of like you were saying that kind of helps break some of that stuff down?
1: Yeah. So it goes into the individual coaches. Um, So myself and one other guy, coach the the girls' academy team. So we're kind of pretty proficient in it. Um, but you know, they I think a lot of these companies do a really good job of training people and helping people with it. You know, it's uh it's obviously a lot of information and data is always tough because you can get out of it what you want to read, you know, a lot of times. So it's about okay, how do you actually take it and remove your own innate bias and look at just purely this is what the data says. So you did a 4v4, this is what the data says. It's not well, this player was subbing in or out, or, you know, I like this player a little bit more. So I'm going to give them some wiggle room. You know, it's, this is, this is purely what the data says. So you can draw conclusions off that, but a lot of times we've got to remove our own, you know, ideas and thoughts and biases, um, you know, and it's, it's, that's the toughest challenge of it all. Is not necessarily all the different things it can do, but how you take the data and actually use it for purely what it is, not what you're trying to manipulate it to look like.
0: I know. Cause the one thing I know is that you coach at a high, high level, and I know when you went to the Nationals, one of the things that I kept seeing was, was your utilization of all these technology type pieces. And it's kind of cool to hear how you use it. But like you even said, you mentioned coaching, the nuances of coaching. Like still, it comes down to I got to know my players, got to understand maybe some tactical or positional things that I have to do with them. Um, and what have you what was that one of the big reasons that you went to nationals was that what drew you to to the club was that opportunity or what was the thing that drew you to becoming a part of this
2: yeah so the technology is actually something i pretty much brought with me they uh they didn't really have any of that before so that was you know they're super excited about it um but you know for me it was obviously been in cincinnati for a long time and spent 10 years at uh and cda and had a great experience and we built something pretty special um you know and it was just kind of there were, I'd had quite a few job offers that just, I'd never gone looking for stuff. Things just kind of came in. Um, And there were maybe a couple of clubs on there that you'd go, all right, I would seriously entertain that. Right. And nationals were one of them because they're kind of this, you know, beacon in the, in the youth landscape of, you know, doing things the right way, doing things at a really high level, obviously providing a playing opportunity for everybody from rec all the way up to, you know, elite performance all the way through. Um, But, the thing that I really loved about nationals is there's a super clear style of play from when they're little all the way to when they're about to move on to the next level, whatever that is. And it's very possession dominated. It's very, you know, oriented to try and be like that peak Barcelona type era, um, you know, of dominating the ball, dominating space, you know, obviously with with tweaks and, and things like that. But it's you know, that was really a big attraction is
1: I always want to continue to learn. Um, and get better. And I felt like there were a lot of people here to continue to push me and hold me accountable and help me continue to develop, which is a, which is a big thing for me. I don't want to be, you know, 33 years old and done, done learning, you know, because that's the, that's the day that it all ends for me is the day that I can't learn anymore.
0: Um, So you just said you spent 10 years here in the Cincinnati area. um, And that's kind of how I connected with you and kind of followed you here and what have you. Um, Where were you before that? What, where did your soccer journey begin?
1: Yeah so originally I know I've got kind of this hodgepodgey accent but it was so both my parents are, are Scottish and you know we lived in in Europe for a while and obviously when you know when I was a kid that's it just it's in the blood in the DNA right so I think that's why when everybody uh, asked me why I support Newcastle United it's because you're, you're born into it there's no there's no choice there um, so you, you love it in good times you love it in the bad times and you, you suffer for a lot but you know it's it's really, for those that haven't been to Europe, it's like, I think people think people are exaggerating, right? It really is the religion. You know, you, you, you wear your clubs, pajamas, when you go to bed, you know, you wake up and that's the first thing you think about. You have lunchbox when you go to school. I mean, it's, it's what you look forward to. It's everything, right? So obviously then when we, when we came over to America, you know, it was, soccer was just kind of a, you know, well, it was here, but it wasn't, you know, at the level it is today. So, you know, obviously playing wise and supporting wise and you know in ohio the only thing it was the crew and chicago fire those were the two closest teams right so you you know you tried to support that but it was it was a different level and obviously mls has come a long way in that time period but there was that was the days before the development academy was here and everything so you know it was uh it came over here you know went to went to obviously school in cincinnati um you know then got into coaching Um, and then it's just been a a kind of upwards journey from there. So, you know, started coaching, got into it a little bit at um, the old Hammer Club before it kind of merged into King's Hammer. So I was there, you know, had like a U8 boys third team while I was in college. It was funny, I actually, uh, I think my parents knew I was gonna be a coach before I did. When I was 16, my mom signed me up for the old E and F licenses. Um, And I had to, I remember driving up to Dayton in the snow you know, to go to these and it was in a, in a, in a gym, you know, and it was, I was the youngest person by probably 20 years there um, at the time. So it was a lot of, you know, dads trying to get themselves educated and, you know, we're obviously coaching their kids and things like that. So that was fun. So I had my E and my F license when I was 16 and then, you know, started coaching when I was 18 um, just with, you know, these young boys teams and it kind of developed and grew and, you know, was moved away, came back. Um, coach a little bit started on the girls' side then ended up at cup um and then you know was coaching everything from the the cu levels which is the the silos um so worked a lot with that worked with the juniors programs worked with the kind of elite the cup teams um and just kind of grew and grew and then it ended up being the the development academy and you know and then here we are in detroit so it's been a it's been a whirlwind it's hard to think it's really been you know seems like three or four years but you know obviously it's been 10 11 years now so
0: So did the the E and F course, did that kind of whet your appetite to like, dude, I want to go, like you talked about earlier, I don't want to stop learning. So does that, what was the impetus to go, I got to go get my D and then my C and then work my way up to the A and what have you?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I've always loved learning. I didn't do that great in school because I didn't enjoy the actual application of it a lot of times. So I was one of those typical kids who would just, I would if it was a ball on a wall, I'd be out there all day. I mean, you said you've got this two hours of homework that killed me. So, you know, I've always had this like love of learning, um, and especially history and things like that. And then, you know, obviously that was my mom used to always go mental because she said, you know, if you if you like something, it's easy, right? You know, you have a photographic memory on, you know, these obscure Premier League players that scored one goal and things like that, but ask you to study for this test and you can't do it. Um uh, so not that that's the advice I would give the younger generation. Don't be like me in that. But, <laughs> you know, it was a uh, kind of a journey there. And it, it the first coaching course, it, it made me kind of look at things a little bit different. Like, oh, there's there's a little bit more to this. And, you know, it started to make you look at maybe when you watch games, starting to look at them a little bit differently. Like, okay, why is he doing that? That's not just what you do. It's why, right? So that started that. And I think then you know, it was like, okay, I think coaching is something I'd like to do. And then, so when I was 18, you know, I just randomly shot an email off and they said, yep, we've got a team for you, you know, come on out on this day and you're starting. And I sort of went, oh, this is real now. Right. So luckily I had that little bit of stuff to fall back on, but you know, it was, uh, it was cool because I'd had the, the little bit of a tweak that I think a lot of people don't get to later is okay. Obviously I've been a player, but how do I now switch into being a coach? So luckily I'd had the E and the F that kind of gave you that little bit of a, a buffer. Um, so you could look at it a little bit differently. And it was, it was a lot of fun and we had a lot of success and, you know, I loved it. It was just a, it's the, it's the next best thing to playing. So, you know, it's, you feel all the emotions, you, you know, especially when you're younger. Right. And that's the, I then went and got my D and my C, um, and my B right. So I actually had my B license by the time I was 23. Um, And it was at that point then that I said, I probably got to slow down a little bit just in terms of, you know, could have gone for the A a year later. Um, But it was one of those, you know, you, you really need to gain more experience. And I think that's the thing that you hate to hear as a younger coach is that this is going to take time and experience and you can't get it via reading a book or, you know, you can gain knowledge, but you can't gain experience. Experience you can only get when you do. And you have to go through things that are difficult and you've got to go through things that are great and you've got to you know, figure out how you become you. Because I think, especially as a, as a young coach, you're always looking at every, you're looking at the coaches you had, You're looking at the coaches around you and you're going, I want to be that. I want to be that. I don't want to be that. I want to be that. And then it takes you a while to get to the point where it's, no, I'm going to be me, right? Because there's only one of me. And so I've got something unique. I see the game a little bit differently or I might say it's similar to that. So I'm going to take pieces of that, but I've got to make it my own. So I think that journey takes people, you know, obviously varying years. It took me a while, you know, so I was sitting there in theory as a 23 year old B licensed coach going, you know, feeling quite good about myself. And then that's really, I think the B licensing on is when you start to, at least for me, because it was that age of 23, 24, where you start to go, hang on a minute. I'm now realizing how much I don't know. Um, and that's when kind of the excitement builds again, because it's, I've got so much more to learn, right? And that's, you know, you go and you start researching different stuff and it's, you know, a lot of it is now, okay, yeah, the soccer part got a lot of that down, but obviously you can always learn on that, but okay, it's how do you manage relationships? How do you do things with, you know, difficult players that are super talented? How do you do things with players that are just kind of laissez-faire in their mentality and things like that? And how do you get people to buy into a team and culture and you know, all those sorts of things. So there's so many avenues you can go down. So you have to be careful not to go down like five at once. And then you end up who knows where, and it's hard to really bring it back all together. But, you know, that's been, that's been the cool part is that kind of continued evolution and journey and okay, how do how do different people learn? What's the best ways to get information across to them? You know, when you have five different learning styles in your team, how do you possibly get a training session that meets at all? right so these are the kind of challenges that you run into as a coach and you know it's all about how you uniquely solve it and i think the the biggest piece that i've i've really learned is you see a lot of good coaches that that struggle right they know the game but at the end of the day you've got to relate to the audience that you have right so if that's 9 year old girls or 15 year old boys or 26 year old professionals you have to be able to relate to them and what is important to them and not be resentful towards them for it. So, you know, I know everybody kind of makes fun of the the TikTok era, right? But these kids love it. And that's their, you know, their social media and the Instagram and stuff like that. So, okay, instead of like condemning them for it and making them feel bad, how do you, how do you embrace it? And how do you adjust to their learning style, knowing that they've got about 15 second attention spans? right because that's the length of these videos and that's what they're so used to is you know they get to second 12 and they're like okay I got this under the next one so how do you adapt to that and how do you embrace it and how do you have fun with them with that and all of a sudden then you see their eyes light up and they're excited and all oh, coaches you know kind of hip and you know it's it's those those fun things as well of adapting to the audience that's in front of you and if you can't do that it's really hard for them to accept the soccer right because you're just kind of like a okay yeah it's kind of like a philosopher right somebody that's they know a lot but I don't really care and that's the biggest piece is get them to care
0: that's so awesome the other the one thing I heard I feel like for you was that this the cup experience was almost a perfect timing for you because you had knowledge wise like you said I'd gotten to where I gotten to a high level in people's eyes of like the diploma side but I needed that experience and it seemed like the cup thing was a great opportunity for you to kind of start figuring your things out the relationship side all those little things you brought up and then was able to then lead you to this jump to to nationals now
1: yeah absolutely it was it was cool because like I said there was so many opportunities it's not like I went and you know I've only coached high-level teams you know I, I got the opportunity and I, I loved it honestly I coached you know U8 third teams I've coached you know, recreational level. And I think that's, that's the thing for so many coaches now is everybody wants, obviously everyone wants to coach the top teams, right. Cause that's the, the glory and this and that, but it's, you know, I remember distinctly, it was seven, eight, nine years of grinding, right. Getting paid barely any money. Um, you know, I used to cut the grass at Posey Hartman, right. With, with the mower, which was actually kind of fun, but I would do that. I would line the fields, you know, it every week you know, you would do all of that. And then I would spend every night watching. If I had one training session, I would stay for all three slots, right? If on the weekend, I spent 12 hours a day at the fields, just sitting on benches, learning from people watching, you know, kind of thinking about, okay, what changes would I make? What changes has this coach made? Does it line up, you know, um, and just kind of seeing different stuff. So I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, the willingness and hard work has always been ingrained into me since I was a kid. So, you know, when you're younger, you kind of hate it a little bit when your parents are on about that, but now super appreciative of it because it, it leads to so many opportunities and so many open doors is that was, you know, so often the answer from my parents was work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. And then, so I've kind of embraced that always. And especially with the coaching journey, it was all about, you know, being out there, listening to people, watching training sessions. And then obviously you gain the trust of some people and they go, Hey, I'd like you to run part of this training session and you do it. And then you learn, and you do it again. And you kind of grow from there. So, you know, I took those experiences. And then I also contacted like the local colleges. And I went out to like Notre Dame to learn from Randy Waldrum. And, you know, it was just, I just put myself out there all the time. As look, I don't, I don't need anything except access to the sideline to sit and watch and take notes. And if you say I can't take notes, that's fine. But, you know, I would like to be there and watch and, you know, pick. If, if I can buy you a coffee afterwards and pick your brain for 20 minutes, I'd love it right? And so many people are actually really willing to do that. I think so many people are afraid that coaches are guarded. And, and if they are, that's fine. Move on to the next one. It's like life, right? You're going to get rejection. So, you know, if somebody doesn't want to help you as a coach, that's all right. There's plenty of people that will. So you go out and you will always learn something from every training session. It might not be a good thing. It might be, I don't really like how they interacted with that kid. And I can now see because I'm in a, a capacity that's not directly involved in the session. I can see when this coach is talking, the reaction of not the players right in front of them, but the player that's here, right? I can see their face. I can see their body language. Why are they reacting that way? You know, or when there's a coaching point and, you know, it's always that moment when the kid turns around and one of their teammates are there and they do the face <laughs> and you go back oh, on a minute, you know, why, right? So I think those are those all the cool things that you get from observing. And, you know, the the thing that I found, obviously being in a director position, not necessarily here at Nationals, but just kind of globally, and you see it on social media is, everyone wants paid to do everything, right? And everyone expects that they're going to be at the top end straight away. And it's, that's not how the world works, right? You get what you work for, not what you think you deserve. So work and grind. And if you have the talent, the desire, and the ability, those opportunities will open up. Um, It's all about you putting in the work though, and having the mentality of being that kind of servant leader is, Hey, you want me to pick up cones? That's great. I get the opportunity to learn from you. And my cost is picking up some cones done right uh you know gas money and picking up cones i can do that okay and it yeah it means ramen noodles for a few years but you know you want to eat steak dinners in a few years you got to learn how to how to be able to do it so you know i think that was that was the biggest thing was just learning and learning and there were a lot of at the time there were so many good coaches in cincinnati as well that it was awesome to be able to go all over and just kind of see and observe everyone from the the college level i spent two weeks shadowing the first team at FC Cincinnati when Alan Koch was there and it was got to see everything scouting meetings coaches meetings training sessions player meetings pre-game talks post-game like everything and it was one of those and it all came because I asked right you would have thought you know if somebody had said hey I would love to shadow at FC Cincinnati with the first team you know, it would, no. obviously we had some connections and stuff like that, but it was like, you know, you can imagine that 99% of the time the answer would be no, but you don't know unless you ask. So you want to go check something out? Ask. If they say no, all right, onto the next opportunity. Don't take it personally. It's not like they're saying we don't like you as a person. It's, it might just not be the right time for them. Or you know what, maybe that's a coach that you really don't actually want to learn from, right? Because they're not open to it. So better to find that out when you ask than, than showing up and getting yelled at or kicked out. So I think that's all is that don't be afraid to ask, but also understand that, especially when you're learning, your job is not to try and interject yourself. Your job is to be there, to listen, to learn, and then to think of questions and seek those answers, right? Never, ever give an answer that you're not certain about, right? It's, you know, that's the young person's trap, right? Is somebody asks you a question and you want to impress them, so you make it up or you create this weird answer. It's, Hey, I'm not sure I'm going to figure it out and I'll get back to you. You know, it's, it's learning to do that and learning to be humble. And, um, I think those are, those are big, big key pieces that luckily I was able to have as part of my kind of education and growth Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati was, there was just a lot of people to learn from. And I was, you know, maybe arrogant enough that I was going to ask whoever, it didn't matter if you're a pro coach or a national team coach, I was going to ask, I want to be there. I want to learn. And the overwhelming majority of them said, absolutely. Let's go. So, that was, that was really exciting for me. And that, that's what I would encourage, you know, every young coach to do is, you know, the best thing we can do sometimes is uh, it sounds harsh, but shut up and listen and just get out there and just do it.
0: Right on. I'll speak to this too, because I have, you know, David posts little clips of his um, I think they're an 04 group um, quite a bit that are out and, and, you know, they'll play and he'll show a clip of kind of showing that style of play that he said that the nationals likes to play with that possession style and I'll share little 30 second clips. And I even reached out and said, man, they look really good. I would love to see kind of a full, and next thing I know I get in my inbox, you know, Facebook messenger, here's a full game clip um, that I could watch. And then I watched it, you know, last fall. And I said, man, it'd be cool to see how these girls grew. And next thing I know I got another one in. And even when David was at um, the Development Academy with FC Cincinnati, um, you know, I connected with him back and forth and he, even at those times said, Hey, come on down, watch a, a, a training session, whenever you want. Um, sad. So I couldn't get, make it happen. And now I'm feeling guilty because now I've like, should have doing, I need to go learn now. I know what I'm going to be doing. I'll be firing out emails after this. But, really? um, so I think the cool thing is, like you said, it's one thing to share and say what we're going to do, or here's how I, here's how you should do it. But you actually, um, fit the bill like you consistently do um in terms of sharing with me and those opportunities so i know when you say these things that you actually um have been doing them not sure if i like we're back are we back man that's there
1: you go technical difficulties right that's right we're
0: back but uh yeah so like i was saying um the stuff that you have been just saying, I know from firsthand experience that you actually follow through and that that you're, you are that person that if people ask, you're like, dude, yeah, here, here's the video of what we did or here, give me some. And then you even, which I love too, you know, I'm just a high school coach here down in Cincinnati and you're just like, Hey, give me some feedback. Like, what did you see? What did you like? Um, And so I kind of gave my little two cents and whatever. And maybe that's something that you're like, you know, I've noticed that about my, you know, my number six or, Um, and what have you a couple of things that I also wanted to ask you about so I don't know if anybody sees but there is a large golden retriever that's wandering around that you pet he's almost as famous as your coaching so who is this this dog of yours and uh, I know one of his big things is like he likes to carry things or
1: it's it's a weird obsession that he has yeah he loves sticks right and whenever he gets excited he's got to have something in his mouth so rory is let's see if he'll wake up here rory can you come up hey come here so this if we can get him is rory right? <laughs> he is a a two-year-old golden retriever um that i had you know obviously got him when i was in cincinnati and has been you know my kid since so he's uh you know, keeps me saying he's the therapy dog that he doesn't know he is. Um, But you know, yeah, he's a he's a big personality. It's funny, wherever I've lived, there's more people that know his name than know my name. Uh, (laughs) when Walking around, they're like, ah, Rory, right. But yeah, he's got this, uh, especially since we moved to Michigan. So he, uh, he was born, I think the last time Cincinnati really had snow, you know, two, three years ago. And so he, like, he loved it as a puppy, because that's what you'd go outside in all the time. And then, when we got up here and it was a whole different level of snow, he just loves it. Right. We'll go, you know, he'll dig himself under, he'll, you know, run all over the place and find stuff. But yeah, there's uh, where I live, there's quite a few trees. So obviously you get sticks everywhere. So, you know, sticks will fall down every morning, every afternoon, he'll go to look for one, but I've got one in the garage right now that is, I swear, three or four feet wide, because he just, he spent about a good three weeks figuring out how to walk around with it and uh you know finally got a hold of it and then was so proud he would not let it go like it was it was a challenge we had to sit in the garage for like five minutes before he would let it go so we could go inside uh because he's, he's he loves it right so he'll walk around with them you know he's very prideful of it um but yeah even even the other day right we had we had two feet of snow and he went and he remembered where he'd left a stick obviously like six weeks ago and he went <laughs> dug it out and was very proud of himself parading it around but yeah no he's a he's a brilliant character it's the uh you know, obviously, I'm a I'm a dog person, and you know, he's been you know been through a lot of ups and downs. You know, especially in the last couple of years of, you know, there's always uncertainty in the in the youth soccer landscape, and then obviously the stress of, you know, moving during a pandemic. That was a that was a good fun time. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's been he's been by my side every step of the way, and you know, keeps me sane. And it's uh, it's always great to have him around. So I always encourage coaches, especially because it can be a it can be a lonely, tough profession. Yeah. So having, uh, having something that's super excited to see you whenever you walk in the door is, is very beneficial.
0: I think it's cool. When, and when David says sticks, like he's talking, some of these are actual like full-size limbs off of trees they are huge. And he, he literally has them, like you said, they're off the ground. They're not dragging. He's just, uh, it's awesome. So um, kind of talking about like soccer journeys and what have you, is there, is there future aspirations to go beyond like the youth level, do you want to possibly go to like a, like an MLS type team or maybe the NWSL or get connected into the national kind of program? Where are you just kind of like, I'll see how things go. Cause you talked about even the move to nationals, you had had other options where people came to you and you even said, I wasn't actually looking for anything but it just came. So what's kind of your outlook for the next maybe five, 10 years?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you always try and look at what things are going to potentially be so that you can work towards being proficient enough to allow you the opportunity, right? So, you know, for me, it was, okay, what do I ultimately want to do? And, you know, you think of in the US, okay, there's, there's, there's youth, there's um, college, there's pro, there's youth national team, there's full national team. And, you know, so I thought about uh, college for a while. And then for me, it was, you know, I don't know if I could maintain my sanity, only coaching three months a year. Mm-hmm. um you know so for me it was you know i love being at training and i love all that so um you know it's okay you got to do something for more extended so you go okay well, you know growing in the youth pathway was brilliant and getting a lot of experience you know i've been lucky enough to work with you know over 100 kids that have gone on to play in college and you know 15 16 that have played in the youth national team so I've been lucky to really work with everyone from the recreational level all the way up to you know the elite in the youth in the youth world so you know i know the club here has plans to kind of develop a full pathway um and we're excited about that and be a part of that and you know for me i think yeah i would love to would love to do something in the professional arena when that makes sense um you know ultimately whether it'll be something that happens i don't know but for me i want to be able to be prepared you know, so that's what, you know, I try to do all sorts of stuff where, you know, for scouting and all these types of things to kind of continue to develop myself so that, you know what, if, if the dream opportunity comes across, right, if I can go coach Newcastle United in the Premier League, I'm qualified and ready to do it, right? So it's, uh, well, hopefully we're still in the Premier League, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what things look like. But I think that's the big thing is, you know, it's like we tell players all the time. It's not necessarily the end product Or if you put all your eggs in getting to that end product, you're going to end up disappointed. It's the journey to get there, right? And it's the minute you can let go of that, because you can't necessarily control what you get to, right? But you can control the process there. There was uh, a guy that I worked for for quite a while called Dave Simeon, who's, you know, been everywhere and done everything, worked with a full men's national team, you know, has worked with Clint Dempsey as a youth player. So, you know, he's seen it all. And he used to tell me all the time that, you know, Things like just because you put on a space suit doesn't mean you can go to space, right? Just because you get a Stanford education doesn't mean that you can get into the NASA program, but you can't get there without those steps beforehand. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing of you've got to do all the steps to prepare you so that if the opportunity comes, you're ready to take it and not just get in and realize, oh my God, what have I done? Right. This is, this is too much right now. It's you get in and you go, all right, I'm here to make a difference. Right. So obviously that like all the stuff that I got to do and learn in Cincinnati, right, prepared me to come into this job, which is, you know, uh, especially on the girl side, one of the probably I would say top five jobs in the country. So to come in here and not go, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. It was, hey, I'm here and I'm I'm here to continue to take what is a brilliant foundation and how can we continue to elevate it and make it better and have the ability and the tools to do that, you know, as opposed to what do I do? You know, so I think that's that's a really cool thing. Is you know, you you are a summary of your life experiences, the things you've done, and the people you've surrounded yourself with. So you know, that's going to be the key. And uh, there was, it's a it's a podcast called the High Performance Podcast. Have you listened to it at all with uh, Jay Humphries and Damien Hughes? I have not, but I will um, add it to my I'm, I'm going to send this to you because it is honestly, it's like this sounds ridiculous, but it's life changing stuff. They bring on some, you know everyone from all these different sports to people that are you know high performing people in different things like mountain climbers and stuff and it's all about their mentality and their journey and what they believe in the work and all these different things and and they constantly are giving little tidbits about how you really get places and what the journey is really about and it's very relatable people as well it's not like you know you're looking at somebody going well i'm not going to get to that it's stuff that you can take and apply to you know if you're coaching a a U10 recreational team, you can apply certain things to that. And I think that's, that's like we talked about earlier, you know, in terms of taking bits and pieces from everything, is that willingness and openness to go, okay, well, Casper Schmeichel said this, and the guy who climbed Everest said this, you know, I can take these little pieces and I can put it in to create my uniquely me methodology of, you know, how I coach, how I treat people, what I do, what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to accept, you know, all those different things. So, you know, that's a, that's a podcast that I would, I would really encourage people to listen to. Um, I think they're on like season four now, so there's a lot to binge, which is great. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's been something that's been absolutely brilliant in that kind of developmental journey and just continuing to, to listen to other people. And what can you, what can you apply and how can you make the journey great? Um, And they talk about that all the time. You know, they've even had Matthew McConaughey on there talking about his new book, The Green Lights. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's all about that continued thirst to learn, right? So you've got to, if you don't have it, you've got to figure out a way to get it because otherwise you're going to stay still. And I think that's the, another thing is being okay with knowing that you don't know everything, right? It's not letting that kind of ego barrier go that, like I mentioned before, it's okay to say, I don't know when somebody says, what's this or why are we doing that? I don't know, but I'm going to find out and I'll get back to you, right? And then you go learn about it and you become better and more proficient. And, you know, it's the same thing as as your players. They're going to ask you why. And you need to be able to give them the honest answer because kids are way smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that think they just accept. And it's that, that's what I love as well about the job I'm in. They'll challenge things and they'll go, well, what about this? And, you you know, sometimes you'll go, yeah, actually, that's a, that's a good idea. And being able and humble enough as a coach to go, "That's that's really good right? Um, we're going to, we're going to change things and tweak it that way. Or no, I like what you're thinking, but here's why, right? And then showing them and things like that. So I think that's that's a big piece. Um, I know I've just gone on an, an extreme tangent that probably has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but.
0: Oh no, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's good to kind of gives me an, a, a snapshot of your, your thinking and, and, and your ability to kind of, like you said, pick and choose and and connect that to, like you said earlier, I am my own person. So I've got to figure out who, what I'm going to be as a coach and that vulnerability, I think is, I haven't find it in the classroom when we're doing a problem. And I look at them and go, look, I know what the answer is. Here's the answer. It's in the textbook. I'm not hundred percent sure how they got it. And then it's really good for them to see that, look, I'm a human just trying to figure things out just as you are um, along the way. The other thing that i was going to ask too and i'm curious about because i you know i've been a part of like odp and you know you, you play teams from indiana you play teams from kentucky and is there is there a difference have you noticed a difference between like an ohio kind of style of play and the players and michigan or is there is it just one of those like look we're in the us it's players are players
1: yeah i think different regions of the country develop different styles of players for sure because you got to look at okay One, the training environment, right? So in Cincinnati, there was, there's really not very much indoor opportunity, right? There is some, some smaller fields, but there's not these 11 v 11, you know, huge domes or stuff like that up here. There are, they're everywhere, right? So you've got the ability to train four days a week, five days a week in perfect conditions. Uh, So I think, you know, that plays an aspect, but then you've also got to look at what is the culture of a city, right? So you look at, okay, San Diego right it's right just north of the the mexican border so you get a lot of people that have that kind of latino flair and style and you know things like that so you tend to i would say midwest tends to develop grittier tougher players the technical level has gone way up in the last you know 7 8 years i think of the players that are developed because that's been focused you know and you could say and i'll probably get some grief for this but the california kids are probably a little bit softer Right, because they used to sunshine and technical and all this and that. So you know, it's about that's the that's the cool thing about the US is it's everyone that thinks of it as a country, I think has it wrong. It's a continent, right? Each each state is the size of a country anywhere else. So it's really this collection of you know so many different countries that all have their unique style. You know, it's just like how the people are different in Ohio than Michigan than Indiana than Florida Georgia. You get that with the soccer too. There's little nuances, and then you go, okay, well what's the, what's the coaching pathway been for people? It's, you know, okay, is it a city like Chicago or Miami where maybe ex pros have stuck around? And so now they, you know, the youth are getting experiences from guys that have, or girls that have played at the absolute highest level. Whereas other places, it might just be, you know, someone's kid going, I want to play soccer. And you know, the mom or dad going, okay, I've got to learn about this now, you know, so that I can be their coach and we can have a team. And then it grows. Right. So I think there's so many things that go into that, but absolutely. I think even within different markets, like I would say the player that's produced. So Detroit has, you know, seven and a half million people in kind of the metro area. So the player that's produced here depends on the club they go to. Right. So a Nationals player looks like this Hawks player looks like this Fardar Jags, all these different pieces. And then, you know, you go across the state and in Grand Rapids, you've got Midwest United, who are another phenomenal club you know, in terms of the national level, but they produce a different type of player. So it's, uh, you know, I don't envy the, and luckily I've been able to be on some things where I've got a real insight into the, the youth national team scouting, but developing those positional profiles is really tough um, because you can get about eight different types of player for every single position. Um, and there'll be some, some really good players that are like professional standard players that will never get into a youth national team because they don't fit the profile. So, you know, and that's the, that's the tough part about it is, you know, especially looking a kid in the face and go, yeah, I think you can be a professional player, but you're never going to get into that because you're not what they're looking for.
0: That's a great point of just where you are in the U.S. But like you said, even just going from one club and then driving, you know, just 20 minutes or 20 miles, the different style of some are more direct, some are more, like you said, more kind of gritty, and we're just going to be physical one other ones are very technical 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 um i think you see it too in terms of this, this, the makeup like physically of the players i think some clubs yeah. are very tall and lanky some are very strong some are short and just you look at them and go what are they going to do and they hop out there and they just freaking ping the ball around you the whole time uh and what have you my other th- question that i was going to go with it it seems that you have now been drawn to like the girl's side of soccer um for quite a bit is is was that just like it just happened or did you just say you know what I really like coaching girls because I know they're different coaching girls and boys is a different game you talking about even individually with kids within your team dealing with mood and and stuff that's going on and and what have you uh what is it that you love and enjoy about coaching the, the female side of the game
1: yeah, it's a it's a unique question, because that's why I never, ever thought I would coach girls. Just, you know, typical. Obviously I wasn't a girl and I played <laughs> you know, and coach, coach then on the boys side early on. But, you know, it was a, it was a random thing where somebody just said, hey, we're going to we would like you to take this team as well. And, you know, just absolutely. You know, and they're. They're so much fun. Um, they have this kind of perpetual thirst to learn, um, you know, so you're able to kind of really help them see different things and they adopt it straight away, right? So they want to, and I think the girls game is caught up so much because they're not treated differently. And there's, there's differences in terms of, you know, where they are mentally and, you know, how they need to be kind of a culture built around them and stuff, but... I think we've very much adopted that, you know, there's there's no lowered standards. There's no difference in terms of what you are because you're a girl. We're going to go play and we're going to treat you like a top boys team because for us inside of our environment, players are players, right? So we've got a lot of our girls. We'll train with our top-end boys teams as well. And they hang, you know, and they they play and they do stuff like that. So, you know, there's definitely differences, but I think the, the girls now are really – got after it, they're tough, right? They they want to play good soccer, they want to learn, you know, and I've I've really enjoyed the interactions with them because they're, you know, I've been blessed to coach tremendous young women um that it's exciting to watch. You know, they they're gonna go on and do great things on and off the field. Um, But you know I've I've really enjoyed that. Love coaching guys as well. Um, You know, but you get you get a lot more of the personality. You get, you know, they really love the culture and the team building and things like that, which you know I've got a passion for. Um, so for, for me, it's, it's been fun kind of seeing that journey and, you know, I've just kind of ended up going further and further into it and, you know, couldn't really picture it differently at the minute. So,
0: yeah, I think it's, it's really cool how sometimes you're, you kind of find your calling yeah. with, with by, and it's funny, like you said, someone just said, Hey, we have another team. And that just kind of was the spur to where you're at now. And you found that you can make such a, a, a major impact and that your coaching style and vibe fits really well with, with what they're doing. And the fact that, like you said, it sounds like these girls are hungry to, to learn. Um, I know just from seeing like a lot of these girls go on to the next level um, and what have you. So I think it's a a great environment for you to continue to learn, but it's nice to have, like you said, to not walk in like with deer and headlights, you said like, I'm right, let's do this. Let's get you guys, you all to the next level. Um, and then the cool thing is to have girls that sit there and come to you and say, what can I do to get better? And, and all that just is such an awesome vibe to be in the mix with.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, it's cool because especially with like the technology of the film, they'll bring us clips now and say, give me feedback on this or, hmm. you know, did they make the right decision and did I react correctly off of that? You know, so we're getting those kind of really intellectual deeper questions than, you know, just what can I do to get better? It's okay. I feel like I'm struggling in this situation. What, how do I solve it? And then, you know, so then we can give them some specifics inside of training that, okay, we might be working on this topic today. Right. And obviously you're going to be involved in that, but your specific focus within this is that I really want you to work on, you know, your body shape opening because you struggle to hit a ball from left to right, as opposed to you're great the other way. Right. So really want you to work on, you know, your, your depth of supporting angle, and then playing that ball out in two touches instead of three. So you can give them all these little variations now when you can get them to the point that they ask those specific things. And then what we'll do as well is we'll um, try to, you know, with some of the players go, okay, I want you, you play similarly to, you know, whoever it might be, you know, a Tobin Heath. Okay. So I want you to watch some clips here that I'm going to pull for you of her. What do you notice about what she does in this situation? And then I want you to come into training and try and apply some of those. So then obviously they gain the confidence in training and then they can apply it to games. So it's a little bit of, you know, see it, be it, do it. Uh, that, you know, you can, you can take from the professional game and the college game and, you know, bring it down down here so that they can see it done. You know, we always try to, you know, within our style of play and that's why I put a couple of videos up before. It was, you know, Olympic Lyon and Arsenal and Barcelona um, women playing and it's, that's exactly how we play. Right. So here's here's it being done at the sort of the perfect level, if you will. Right. And that's what we're working towards. And this is how you fit into it um, with what you're trying to do. So, you know, it's been a it's been a fun journey learning from the players as well in terms of how they how they take feedback and now how that's evolved. And that's been one of the really cool things that we, we had a lot in Cincinnati and we're getting a lot here now. Obviously, they can't go on visits to division one because of the the NCA rules right now but a lot of the college coaches have been blown away because they'll ask tact they'll have a board up and they'll ask a tactical question and our kids are yeah and then this and then that and then the college coaches are going oh okay you know that's a different level of kid because um, they can come in and film is not daunting to them it's something they go yeah and they're, they're confident in it now and that's I always want my girls to go on and be prepared for the next level and whatever those demands might be right so training intensity, understanding of tactics, but also the confidence of a, a young woman to stand up and go, hey, I know the answer to that, right? And uh, it doesn't matter that you're a freshman, right? And they're probably expecting the answer from seniors. You can stand up and give your opinion because you've been educated in it and empowered, and now you're confident, right? So that's the, that's the other big caveat is we, we develop phenomenal soccer players, but for us, we also want to develop phenomenal human beings that are confident, especially young women, Right, is we want them to, you know, if soccer, we always want it to be part of your life, whether that means you're going to be a professional and play for the national team, or that means that you're going to play in the co ed, you know, indoor league, or when you're, when you have a son or daughter, you want to be their coach, or you just want to be a coach in general, right? So we try to create these coaching education opportunities for them, but we want to develop a lifelong love of the game and then people that have the skill set and the confidence in themselves to not rely on, you know, external opinions so that you know what, they're gonna be a CEO and they're gonna run an incredible company and we're excited, you know, and, you know, we've we've got, I, I tell you what, there's probably a kid right now in our 19s that I could see being president, right? She's gonna go off to one of the military academies and she's like the, she's incredible, um, you know, as a, as a leader and as a person and will make a great impact. And that's the thing is, okay, how do we help people like that realize their potential on and off the field so that they define themselves not as you know if you ask somebody what are you right it's there's a really great video from um 300 where the spartans are coming up the hill and you know they're getting met by the the farmers and everybody that are coming to help them and and the leader says you know who are you and they go well i'm a farmer and i'm a potter and i'm a this and i'm a that and then he turns around to his you know 300 spartans and says who are you and they go spartans you know and it's one of those okay are you defined as i am a soccer player or i'm an incredible person that happens to be a great soccer player and i think there is a massive difference that when your playing days end if you haven't been able to realize that being an incredible player was a part of your experience but not the whole thing right you have to be a great person you've got to be somebody that you know loves giving back and helping others and hard work and all this and that But it's really hard to let go when that's your whole identity. So how do we help them mold it into this is probably a massive, massive part of your life and you're brilliant at it, but you're also brilliant at this and you're really good at this and you should be confident in your ability to do this. So this is how you're going to go change the world.
0: Wow. (laughs) That was (laughs) awesome. Uh, I'm getting hyped. I'm like motivated now to go, go crush some stuff. it it. hi that was so i i think the cool thing for me is you know as i followed you i've always known that you're like i said you've always you've done great things here in cincinnati um i know you're doing great things there and, and the stuff that you share like soccer wise and i think the cool thing for me is hearing like the full circle of things that goes into you you're not just like you crush the tactics and you crush the video and the data and all this type of stuff but I've heard all this like relationship building, confidence building, um, you know, making an impact beyond just the soccer field that you aren't defined by what, you know, this being a soccer player. Um, and I think for me, that's so cool to hear because I think like you said, there's a, there's some coaches that are really like know their soccer, but they don't get it. They just don't connect and their teams don't play at a, lot, a great level. And then, of course, then off the field, they're, they're not at to the level that they could be i think it's so cool to hear um and i'm sure this is across the board at nationals i know it was the cu and the you know development academies and what have you is that's something i think a lot of people are starting to realize especially with going through the quarantine and pandemic is that mental health side and all these little things And i think you're hitting on so many of those that full circle um of things. And the stuff that you've shared has been so stinking awesome. I'm, I'm hyped to, to share this. If people want to check out and follow you and, and connect and what have you, what's what's some of the best ways to go about doing that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's a, I changed my social media because I got so much abuse up here, right. having Cincinnati in it. So I finally caved. Um, so on Twitter, it's at CoachDR7. And that's probably the easiest one. And then on Instagram, it's at David Robertson2307. Um, and then on Facebook, if you just search my name, it tends to pop up. So, um, David Robertson, but yeah, I mean, that's the excited, anybody that, you know, has questions, wants to learn, you know, obviously I put a bunch of content out there, but I also, you know, a ton of people will send me DMS or emails or texts and, you know, ask, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm, I'm always happy to share, you know, like, like you said earlier, if you want video of us training, if you want video of our games, no problem, I'll send it over, whatever. All I ask in return is tell me what you see right? Because I, I love to see what other people see. And like you said, there is going to inevitably be something that I go, uh-huh, right? Yeah. Either I didn't think of that or, oh, that's how it looks to somebody that's not in training every day. That's not quite right. So how do I go and make sure it's better, um, you know, with those things? So I think, you know, that would be, that would be brilliant. And then just to, just to continue to, to ramble here, I think you, you hit a point that made me think a little bit there just a second ago. And I, I heard this from somebody at a convention years and years ago. But as a coach, right, they said you should always be striving at the end of every training. You don't necessarily do it every training, but on average, you should be sending out two text messages after every session. One mm-hmm. to a player that did really well to tell them, you had a great session today. I'm really proud of you because you did X, Y, and Z. And one text message to somebody that struggled, right? Not it might be the soccer, it might be their body language, but to say, hey, I know you had a bad day, right? tomorrow's going to be a great day. I'm here for you, anything you need, right? Because our players, a lot of them give a really tough exterior, but you find out that, especially right now in the pandemic, there's so much that we don't know that goes on at home. And I think just the simple act of them knowing that we're not just their coach. Yes, that's our label, but we care about them as people, right? So, you know, if you notice something on Facebook that somebody's brother or sister is singing in the concert, How'd the concert go, right? Little things, but make that little connection. And it takes you 30 seconds to send a text, but it might mean the world to that kid, you know, with, with what they have going on at home. So it's something super simple. It's something that I've tried to embrace. Um, I'm not perfect at it. I'm not, I'm, I'm a human being. Like you said before, we're all humans, but, you know, strive to make a difference in somebody's life every day. Strive to make yourself 1% better. And I tell you what, the world's going to be a special place in three or four years.
0: That will be a great spot to end. This was Coach's Corner Chats with David Robertson. I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at CoachesLet'sChat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.